Welcome to episode 35 of Central Intelligence Cinema. Real quick before we get started, I do want to apologize that the audio on this app might be just a little bit rough. But, you know, sometimes as agents in the field, you've just got to make do. But uh, today, we've got an intel report lined up for you, as well as a chat about all the Bond 60th anniversary fare that we saw in the last month since Global James Bond Day. But without further ado, take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Soto. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Even the British end up, You expect me to talk? Yeah, baby! <laughs> Recording from an undisclosed location, 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 location. It's a Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason, and welcome back to the CIC, the podcast that is on the move. On the move. <laughs> In more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> how you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Well, I know how you're doing, but how are you doing for the listening audience? Well, for the listening audience, my life is a bit chaotic, but uh, I'm hanging in there. A lot of stuff going on at at the uh, undisclosed location. The undisclosed location may soon become a different undisclosed location. And I'll Which just we're still not going back. to. We're just not going to disclose it. I mean, we're just not going to disclose it because we never disclose these things. We could never. We could disclose that it was moved to another undisclosed location and still not undisclose or disclose that undisclosure. In fact, I can't even confirm or deny whether or not that undisclosed location has moved to a different undisclosed location. I mean, it's entirely possible that you simply moved to another undisclosed location at the original undisclosed location, which too shall remain. Undisclosed. undisclosed. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But uh, you know, uh, sadly, we're we're not together. But you know, in, we're we're together in spirit. But uh, today we got some spy movie intel, and then we uh, get into a little recap of all the uh, 007 60th anniversary fanfare that happened in October. Just uh, give our reactions to all that. But uh, before we jump in, uh, we have shout outs. We have some shout outs. I still haven't done the shout out music yet. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. I swear to God, it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> when, when things aren't moving at the speed of sound over at the undisclosed location, I will make some <laughs> shout out music. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I did want to give a quick shout out to uh, James Bond and friends for letting me come on one last time during their debrief series of all of the uh, James Bond movies while those were being re-shown in the UK. And I uh, came on and politely berated No Time to Die. <laughs> so that was fun. As always, it was a pleasure. So uh Thank you to uh, James Page, uh, Ben Williams, and the lovable Aussie Natalie Bachensky for a lovely conversation. That was a good time. I think that's all of the uh, shout outs. Unfortunately, things have been so busy. I haven't haven't checked where we are in the rankings in Ireland this week or <laughs> or uh, Norway. I think we were on the charts in Norway at somewhere in the hundreds, somewhere, you know down there but still kind of respectable 
<laughs> you know, like I, like I said in the last podcast, if we could break 200, <laughs> I feel like we've accomplished something. Yeah, yeah. But also, real quick, uh, we are going to get to our listener request next, uh, which is going to be our review of the 1997 spy movie, The Assignment, uh, starring Aidan Quinn and Donald Sutherland and Ben Kingsley. I will put out all the, the notifications out on the uh, Twitter, if it still exists at that point, <laughs> or and on Facebook and on uh, Instagram. So when we're close, we'll prepare you so you can prepare. But uh, if you want to get in touch with us and you want to request something from us, please, we are still out here. Um, our email is cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. On Instagram, uh, it's Central Intelligence Cinema, separated by underscores. Or on Twitter, you can reach us, at least for now, <laughs> at CIC Spy Pod. So please come and interact with us. I might have to get a Mastodon account or some shit. I don't know. I don't <laughs> well, know what's I next. <laughs> I can tell you one thing. The purse strings for the treasury for the Central Intelligence Cinemas podcast are not going to go for an $8 monthly fee. It's just over the top of the operating budget. Well, we got we got spy gadgets we need to buy to hell with this shit. Yeah. Well, you know... The, the, the CIC just recently purchased a, a very large uh, piece of machinery. Uh, <laughs> it may have, it may rhyme with gin tall, uh, but uh, there may be a future episode that, that uh, centers just, around it, centers around it. We might even get a video. Uh, we might even put it on our very uh, neglected YouTube page. Um <laughs> So stay tuned for that. But for now, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, I have no money for to uh, shell out to be a blue check mark. But anyway, enough of all that. Should we just get into this sucker? Yeah, why don't we? All righty then. Looking for a news story? Impress me. Transmitting CIC Intel dossier. They'll print anything these days. Okay, so Intel. So first up on the uh, dossier, uh, we talked about this coming up on our last Intel, but uh, it has now dropped uh, the trailer for uh, Heart of Stone, the Gal Gadot spy movie, um, also starring uh, that that fella from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Jamie Dornan. That's so, the guy. Uh, yes, but the uh, the trailer slash promo thing came out during that. Tudum, uh, YouTube thing that they had. And we got the first trailer slash behind the scenes type video. I thought it looked pretty good. Did you check it out? Yeah, I, I, I did. Um, uh, you know, I've never been a fan of the let's show how things are working in the middle of a trailer. How about we just show the trailer and worry about they did that with Force Awakens yeah. and I hated that too. Yeah, I'm just like, leave, let there be some mystery to it all. Do, do a documentary so you can get me for another hour and a half after yeah. I watch the movie. I don't care about it now. Yeah. And the other thing that's like annoying about when they do release the behind the scenes at the same time that they're dropping a trailer is Whenever people see green screen or blue screen, everybody just starts going, oh, God, it's going to suck now. You know, they're, right, not, right. they're not they're not doing it all for real. So it must suck, you know, like, yeah, so because, like, you know, so many productions, 100 percent authentically, totally, real. totally. In no way are there ever 
uh, sky replacements or background replacements. Or, no, no. Gray no. Man didn't have that at all. Everything was 100% practical. That's right. <laughs> but uh, I will say things of note. Uh, they included a snowmobile chase, which I'm very excited about. I love mm-hmm. anything with a snow chase in it. I'm, I'm in. Um, we also got a very die another day speed ramp style shot, right? Out out on the ice area. It was holy cow, it was die another day looking. Um <laughs> I did like the uh the villainess. She looked interesting, or at least I'm assuming she was the villainess. Well, you know, it I didn't could, know could for go sure. either way. It was yeah. very, very vague. Yes, yes, for sure. So who knows? Um, we also we got motorcycles, we got skydiving. Um, we got a flight in a kitchen that felt very reminiscent of uh, Atomic Blonde, I thought, yeah. um, but probably not quite as cool because, I mean, let's let's face it, Atomic oh. Blonde is Atomic Blonde is the standard, you know, pretty much, pretty much. So it, it, a lot of nighttime stuff in this. There was a couple moments where it felt very um, what was the uh, Danny Craig, the girl with the dragon tattoo, the version of girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. That he that, did. That he did. There were some moments in the trailer that felt a little like that, but uh, no CGI kerfuffles the way I had issues with the gray man trailers. So fingers crossed that this one turns out. We'll see. Yeah, It, you know, it looks, it looks like it's going to be a better than perfectly adequate spy movie with wonder <laughs> woman in it. Yes. I mean, it looked like she was trying to dig in for some gravitas in there, right? Rather than just yeah. sort of being the cheery yet hauntingly sad Wonder Woman character that we're used to. <laughs> and I know she's got more range than necessarily what you see in Wonder Woman. Right. And I'm hoping we get to see a little bit more of that because I think one of the things that I've noticed in a lot of the female helm spy movies is they try and either masculine them up to the point where you might as well have just put a dude in it. Right. Or they cut short a lot of character development to pump to, in a lot of extra action pieces. Yeah, because they're it's almost like they're trying to prove something. Right. Over and over and over again. Yeah. Instead of just making an interesting story with it, making the character interesting. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, she's certainly got the range to make it worth listening to. That being said, the little scene that they have with her, the little quick blurb where she's like, am I still compromised? I'm like, what was that? Yeah, yeah. Well, and Please were- let that be only in the trailer. One of those things that's only in the trailer. Yes. Well, and the other thing about the whole mishmash between the behind the scenes and the, and the trailer is there were a couple moments where I literally couldn't tell if I was watching a behind the scenes moment or a moment yeah. that was actually... And so... Those moments, I'm like, this feels like I'm just watching a TV show. Yeah. Like there were a couple shots that looked like I was just watching a TV show, but I'm like, well, wait a minute. Is this the behind the scenes footage? And does is that why it looks like a TV show? Yeah, I, I thought I thought the same thing. Maybe the whole reason they had to kind of put it together that way is they still haven't fixed everything in post yet. Right. Or <laughs> they have yeah, they haven't given it's color graded it or anything. Right. Or- I will say that. I am 118% more satisfied with her hairstyle than the last Netflix one we looked at. We haven't seen anything else on. And so, uh, you know, she's she's definitely rocking a more Gal Gadot-specific hairstyle rather than, say, Henry Cavill's hair was in Argyle, which was nobody hairstyle specific. <laughs> well, that's actually Apple, I believe. I actually think... Oh, is it, one, is it Apple? Yeah, I think Argyle is Apple. Yeah. Okay, well, regardless... <laughs> 
Speaking of Argyle, I did see one thing. Now, I don't want to see say that this is officially Intel because I only saw it from like one source and it was on Twitter. And it's like, well, is it really? Did it re- is it really happening? I don't know. But Let's call it an unconfirmed report. An unconfirmed report is saying that Lauren Balf is scoring Argyle. So who but- he has done some good work. I mean, he's worked with Mission Impossible and... So maybe this is a movie that actually exists? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Let me ask you, is he doing it sans Hans? So I see that's the real question, isn't it? If it's just part of the Hans collective, then it's like who's really putting it together? You know, right. is it one of the lower underlings, you know, for I a mean, dis- I think it, for a discount? <laughs> it'll it'll be pretty obvious when you hear the soundtrack if there's a lot of wham in it. <laughs> Right. But uh, aside from that, there is no official update on Argyle or Operation Fortune, Roostagare for that matter. Which is done. Which is done. We know that one's done. But there is an interesting Guy Ritchie and Henry Cavill news thing. This is an actual thing that came out in Deadline. Guy Ritchie and Jerry Bruckheimer have cast Henry Cavill and... Isa Gonzalez, who is in Baby Driver, in the leads for a World War II action spy movie called The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. The movie was launched in anticipation of the American film market, which I think is actually going on this week. Richie is set to direct with shooting set to begin in January in Turkey. And as if they haven't mined this material enough, <laughs> this movie is inspired by the real events of Wait For It! Winston Churchill and Ian Fleming's secret World War II combat organization. As if they haven't already made a BBC show and a little movie called Operation Mincemeat already. But anyway, (laughs) they're just going to keep mining that thing until... But I will say the next part of this makes me hopeful is that apparently there's going to be, quote, a bevy of colorful characters which may contain echoes of Inglorious Bastards. That certainly seems more along Guy Ritchie's way of doing things, ensemble cast, everybody's got a quirk. Yes, everybody's got a a weird thing. Hey, we got witty dialogue, but it's not Tarantino witty dialogue, and we've got, say, 40% less blood. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Cavill is set to, of course, play the leader of this secret combat organization. And Who is not James Bond. Who is not James Bond. (laughs) And Gonzalez will play a sniper slash spy. I feel like that's a new, that's turning into a new trope where they're making lady spies snipers. Like that seems to be like a a thing. Anyway. Uh, You know, (laughs) we could talk about the uh, harmonious reorganization of history in order to make movies more inclusive. Yes. Oh yeah. But, yeah. but let's not because yeah, it's that just, would that's a whole pod that's not just an episode by itself. That's an entire podcast by oh, itself. Oh yes it is. <laughs> so, and it is not our podcast. So we'll just it, let's just move it right along. Let's move move along. So uh, in TV news, it looks like we're getting... Yes, I'm super excited about this. (laughs) The new season of Jack Ryan on Amazon uh, on December 21st, just in time for Christmas. Woohoo! With the uh, promo undertitle, Agent Status Rogue. 
Okay, I, I'm not liking that part though, because <laughs> it's so he, in fashion. Look, <laughs> going yeah, rogue if, is so in fashion, though, Jason. If, if I watch him run away from explosions for like half of the episodes and helicopters exploding, climbing up buildings, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> this is no not John, Jack no Ryan. John, not not no John Krasinski. You are not Tom Cruise. <laughs> I do think the trailer looks pretty good, though. It, um, it really, it did look good. I like that they brought back what's that dude's name, Mike Foxtrot, the the older spy character that's been kind of following him along, kind of like the. I think he's a he's like an analog for the John Clark character they haven't introduced yes, into the series yes, yet. Yeah, but he's kind of like that competent old CIA agent guy. Yeah. Uh, everybody asks him, you know, what are your odds of being successful? And he just kind of, I I liked that part. Yes. But, you know, I don't know. I just I do hope there's, you know, still inklings of smarty smart Jack Ryan and doesn't go full, you know, Ethan Hunt, Jack Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't want to see that because that the appeal of the Jack Ryan character is he's an everyman stuck in non-everyman circumstances. Right. And, and the thing that I liked about the very first season, and to an extent the second season, maybe a little too much girl with dragon tattoo in it for my liking. <laughs> yeah. But I think Krasinski made a good balance of turning that character into an action hero. Yes. It's still retaining the core of Jack Ryan in it. Yeah. My concern is that this episode, they're just going to say, you know, screw it. We're just going to make yeah. you go full Ethan Hunt. And do all the ridiculous things. And hope my and, hope is that Krasinski has enough power to say, no, we're not. Yeah. And, he, you know, I, I just, I do worry because he he does look a little more beefy, a little more jacked. You know, I'm just yeah. like, oh, please don't, please don't go full. I don't know. He looked pretty cut in the first two seasons, too. That's I mean, true. That's true. He's just a, he's just a well kept in shape kind of fella. The problem is, is you have the only thing you really have to compare him to is Jim in the office where he was a little more doughy. Right. Exactly. Anyway. Also in TV news, the show A Spy Among Friends has started airing in the UK. I still don't have an idea where it's going to land in the US yet. I know it's on BritBox, but I'm not willing to pay for yet another subscription just so I can watch (laughs) this show. I'll. I'm hoping that eventually it lands on like AMC Plus, which I'm already subscribed to. Sure. Um, but that one stars Damian Lewis as uh, Nicholas Elliott and Guy Pierce as Kim Philby, who is uh, in Britain kind of this very well-known uh, traitor, basically, who defected mm-hmm. to Russia. Um, and it's based on actual events of his defection from the UK to Russia. So, And I've heard good things in reviews so far, but... I, I mean, hopefully American audiences will get to see it as well. So two good actors, too. I really like uh, especially Guy Pierce. I love Guy Pierce. Yeah, this this will definitely end up on something bigger at some point. Yeah. So uh, one other thing I do want to bring up just because I, I don't always like bringing up when people pass away. But at the same time, I feel like it's only right to sort of bring it up in the in the Intel report. You know, we, we sadly lost Robbie Coltrane. On October 14th, um, at the age of 72, which totally bums me out. Um, I loved him. Yeah. Pretty much everything he ever did. Obviously, he was known for playing Hagrid. But most importantly to me, he played Valentin Dmitrovich Zukovsky. 
in both GoldenEye and The World Is Not Enough, which I loved him. He was my favorite reoccurring yeah. pseudo-ally, but not totally an ally to Bond, but kind right. of an ally. Like, he was just so good in it. I just... Yeah. The so. Pushkin of his generation. Indeed. Very much so. So, uh, the CIC raises a glass in honor of uh, Sir Robbie Coltrane. Walter PPK. 7.65 millimeter. Only three men I know use such a gun. I believe I've killed two of them. Lucky me. I think not. The Glock is a weapon I greatly admire. Of course you do, sir. Because you're a very clever man. Beautifully machined. Takes to the hand like a glove. Of course, how right you are, sir. Because it's a very, very fine. The Chinese have released a batch of counterfeits on the market. Perfect. Except for one tiny detail, the silly Chinese have made the firing pins too short. Get out of my sight. And how did you get in? I'll call security and congratulate them. <laughs> Drink? Can't you just say hello like a normal person? So really, that's about it as far as uh, new intel. Pretty much all the other spies have gone out into the cold not to return <laughs> until 2023. <laughs> but uh, I guess for now, we can uh, talk a little bit about all the uh, 007 60th anniversary hubbub. Okay. Um, hey, Ben, did you know that James Bond, 60 years old? <laughs> <laughs> c- c- cinematically speaking? Cinematically speaking, yes. I want to say he's like a hundred literary, but anyway. So lots of fanfare. I had a good night on the fifth because that night they released to Amazon the sound of 007 live in concert, as well as the sound of 007, the documentary. So we got a double dose of music, which I kind of thought was kind of cool as a, as their theme, sort of this, this, uh, for the 60th, like, I kind of like that they, they chose almost all music type things. They released, you know, a new record. And then we've got this whole Mm -hmm. music documentary. Now I will on the documentary. I got to tell you, my favorite thing about the one thing that is left with me after watching that documentary is that they basically openly admitted that they got stuck with Sam Smith for the Spectre theme. (laughs) And even though everybody liked the Radiohead song better, (laughs) they, they, they were like, well, you know, they came back with another song, but. Oh, well, because <laughs> like Daniel Craig is like a huge Radiohead fan, too. So they all right. wanted they all wanted it. But the, the ink was dry, man. The ink was dry. <laughs> it's just how it goes sometimes, though, right? Oh, totally. I mean, you know, got to do what you got to do. And actually, that brings up another point that I was really surprised how candid they were about or or maybe how candid they allowed Jack White to be about his theme song for Quantum of Solace. Right. Since they originally wanted, you know, Amy Winehouse. And and he was just like, well, I knew they didn't have a lot of time, so I just did whatever the fuck I wanted. And <laughs> right. He completely took advantage yeah. of their, their situation to put through what he wanted, which bravo. Yeah. I mean, kudos to him. And honestly, like if they hadn't a shoehorned in Alicia Keys, I think that song would have been a thousand percent better. But 
Agreed. Not because I have something against Alicia Keys either. I just think the two of them are just you're you're putting together like peanut butter and mayonnaise or something. I don't know. It's just a bad I, combination. I just don't know that it needed to be doubled like that. One, one right. person could have sung the whole thing and it would have been fine. Yeah, totally, totally. But I did just think that that moment was I, I can't believe they let that moment in. They kept that moment in the dock. Yeah, there's like, nothing you can do about it now. Yeah. As long as he I'm, doesn't say anything that's litigable, let him say what he wants to say. <laughs> exactly. Um, my, my my favorite my favorite part had to be listening to, to Billie Eilish and her brother talking about Hans Zimmer. And then Phineas just throwing out the dead-on accurate Hans Zimmer impression. Because <laughs> that's all I thought about as he continued talking. Hans continued talking throughout the rest of the program. I'm like, yeah. he nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the John Barry archival footage a lot. Like, yeah, that lot. was pretty great. Like, and I loved how we we found out about basically how him and Michael Caine were like roommates or something. Yeah, exactly. Shaw was the first one that ever got to hear the James Bond thing. So, I did think that they spent maybe too much time on the Craig era, but maybe they had more footage of that just because. You know. That's what I was thinking. You know, you've they've everything's been documented for all of Daniel Craig's films. Yeah. Because I, it's all been out there. Yeah, totally. And I do wish that I get the feeling they could have actually made it longer. Oh, sure. Well, you think about how many songs there are and how yeah. many artists were involved and how many people weren't brought up. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing from aha, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that because I think they talk about the living daylights, but they don't get the other side of the story from Aha. Uh-huh. Right. Because I know that there was there was some bad blood between John Barry and Aha uh-huh during that whole thing. Right. And they just sort of like, oh, we're just moving on now. We're just moving. Let's just move on now. Let's just. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. Nothing, Nothing to, to see here. here. <laughs> yeah. And the mind blowing thing was Bono. Oh, that Bono wrote the Tina yeah. Turner song. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I was, I lived through that, like that moment, like when they announced that it was Tina Turner and that Bono. And at the time, I'm a geek, so I was dialed into all that, <laughs> and I knew that Bono wrote it. And then I heard the raw audio of Bono. It's so bad. It's so bad. Like right. Like, but he didn't write it for himself. I, well, it's genius that he he could still hear over himself. <laughs> he could hear what Tina Turner would do with it, right? And that it was amazing when Tina Turner sang it. So, yeah, that that was a fun little moment too. Because <laughs> you know, I, I, as as a self professed person who knows a lot of shit about movies, yes. I was like. Uh, I did not know that. <laughs> that is some wild, wild, wacky stuff. That is that is wild. That music with the the Bono and the U two. Yeah, the, <laughs> we've had them on. We've had them on the show before, folks. They're uh, they're interesting people. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Interesting Irish hippies. <laughs> now, I will say for me, my international James Bond day was kicked off though with the live concert well the recorded live concert of the sound of 007 where many uh many drinks were consumed at the undisclosed location <laughs> and I had a great time watching the concert I was bummed that they snipped out 
almost all of the instrumental stuff, you know, based on what everybody, you know, I follow tons of Bond people on Twitter and the actual show was like two and a half hours or something like that. So there was a bunch Mm -hmm. of instrumental orchestral stuff that was left out and they just mainly kept the singing stuff, like the actual songs. Mm -hmm. However, I will say that just recently, somebody did a very uh, industrious bit of work and they they took the version from Amazon (laughs) and then they inserted their phone recording (laughs) of all the other music so that it all goes in order of the way it actually showed up in the concert. The phone audio is so-so. All right. It's all right. That one's soon to be scheduled to be pulled off of YouTube. Yeah, so. I'm sure it won't last long. So if it's still you get, up, you, get it while you can, kids. <laughs> you got to imagine that it's going to be available in some capacity, right? I, I got to think at some point they're going to Digital bring recording. They'll, somebody will put it on a DVD. I mean, at the very least, record it or uh, release it as a as something on iTunes or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So I'm sure the potential's there. The music's there. I, I could see why they would edit it down because there's only a small percentage of their subscribers are going to want to see the whole thing. Right. Well, and the other part of it is, too, is that the actual performance was literally the night before. So they really had to, you know, smash edit that thing together. So they were probably just like they probably had a game plan right from the jump. Like these are the ones that are going to go in. These are the numbers that are going in. Chop, 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 put it together, smooth it out, send it out. But that being said, I mean, there was some great there was some great stuff in there. Shirley Bassey was just fantastic. I thought, uh, man, she still got the she still got the chops, man. Garbage was was great. <laughs> that outfit she was wearing was <laughs> wild. Um, <laughs> Lulu, who I have gone on record saying as not a fan of the man with the golden gun song, but she was great. She actually performed really well live. There was another singer uh, named Celeste who I thought did a really interesting job with You Only Live Twice. Definitely making it her own, but not completely slaughtering it either. It was I thought it was an interesting take. I don't know. Some people might thought that she took too many liberties. I don't know. But and then also, uh, you know, David Arnold came out with Hans with dueling guitars and and that was of course fun and david arnold actually sang you know my name which wasn't too shabby i mean you're never going to match chris cornell i mean because right i mean it's chris cornell but it was a nice gesture you know considering he passed away not too long ago so any other notes that you have on that one it's good to see it in a bigger platform you know i feel like sometimes bond stuff tends to get kind of buried under the Bond fan jiggers and to see them put some emphasis uh, on getting out to a larger audience. Well, you know, it's Amazon. So they're all about making (laughs) money, but at least I think it's a good indicator of how well they're going to treat the franchise now that it belongs to them by giving it, giving it what it's due, trying to make it more open to the masses. Yeah. And, you know, they, they could have gone completely the other direction and said, yeah, here's this thing. Who cares? We don't want to yeah. put it on. Nobody's going to watch it. So I I, I, pre- I applaud the effort. I certainly <laughs> liked the documentary. I wish it had been longer, like you said. But it's a good first salvo of newly produced material for the franchise, I think. Yeah. And I'm glad that they actually released it on Amazon so that the have-nots can, can watch it as well. Right. So, uh, so yeah. So that was pretty good. 
And then one other thing that we didn't get to talk about in the previous Intel report, because it happened, I think, like a day or two after we recorded, was the Christie's auction of all that stuff, all the different props and what have you. But I just wanted to note a couple of the uh, of the prices that some of this uh, some <laughs> stuff went for. Like, which I, I thought was kind of interesting. So the, uh, there was a no time to die clapperboard that was signed by Gary Joji, Fukunaga, Daniel Craig, Michael G, Babs, Lashana Lynch, Leah Sidhu, Anna Diarmas, David Ensick, Dali, uh, Bensala, Naomi Harris, Linus Sangren. Naomi Harris, uh, Billy Magnuson, <laughs> Hans Zimmer, Billy Eilish, and Phineas O'Connell. And that went for 27,720 pounds. So somebody paid more than what I paid for my car for that clapperboard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but uh, I also find it interesting that they sold so much uh, No Time to Die stuff. I'll try and withhold any further <laughs> editorial <laughs> comments about No Time to Die as a movie. Um, but the fact that... The eyeball from No Time to Die, the Blofeld eyeball. Ugh, anyway, uh -huh. the No Time to Die eyeball went for forty four thousand one hundred pounds. The DB five stunt car went for two million nine hundred twenty two thousand pounds. Which now what, was it drivable? Do you know? I don't know. Well, and the other thing about it is that actually feels kind of low to me. I don't know. It depends. It depends on how functional it is, or if it's you know, street legal. Because, yeah, stunt car to me means, like, not functional out in the real world. Oh, yeah. And, I, I, and I, you know, I remember, I can't remember the last. But if it's got the guns. <laughs> if they work. If the guns maybe. work, maybe. Because I feel stunt car, With like, is that, baby. The, yeah. <laughs> is that the one with all the bullet holes in it? <laughs> I don't want that one. No. Well, and next up on the list, the uh, the Aston Martin V8 from No Time to Die went for 630,000 pounds, which I think is a steal. I honestly think that that is a beautiful automobile. I love that car and it's in perfect condition. Yeah, but couldn't you just get a new version of it for half that price? I don't know. More than half that price? I don't know. I don't know what they go for. I don't I Listen, I mean, you can't I, you I've, can't I, say you can't say Daniel Craig farted in it. So maybe that's, that's worth an that's extra four hundred thousand pounds. If he seasoned the seat, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you're a diehard fan, I could see why you would go for it. But Indeed. I don't know. Now, my favorite thing in the in the auction, absolutely hands down. If I was a rich, like a super wealthy trust fund kid or something, I would have bought this one. The Octopussy Fabergé egg, even though, and the ironic thing about this is that it's not actually a Fabergé egg. It's a, no. it's Swarovski. <laughs> so, <laughs> but still it was, I believe it is screen used. So Swarovski crystal mounted green enamel and gold plated prop egg commissioned from Asprey London for 327,600 pounds. And I did like that it was sold to benefit UNICEF Rogers charity. So that felt fitting. Yeah, you can write off that you can write it off on your taxes. Hey, but, hey. Uh, and then finally, uh, I did find it interesting that the uh, the world is not enough. Q jet boat uh, went for one hundred and twenty-six thousand. If that listen, if that works, 
If that thing still works, that might be a bargain. That might actually be a bargain because that thing is frigging cool. I love the Q boat. <laughs> like that's my favorite part of the whole movie of the world is not enough is that friggin' jet boat. <laughs> Super cool. And then also I must add, which I'm sure a lot of Bond fans already know is being this, the 60th anniversary, man, there is no shortage of stuff that you can buy. I mean, I don't know anybody who would spend like, I don't know, like $11,000 on a pinball machine or something like that. Do you know anybody like that? Only crazy people would do that. Only crazy people do that. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, but also in addition to pinball machines that have gone on sale, there was there's a and this I am actually asking for for Christmas because I think it would be great as a as a little Christmas tchotchke to bring out every year is the snow globe depicting the scene from The Spy Who Loved Me of the little <laughs> little skier with the British parachute. <laughs> so I want that as one of my little tchotchkes. Um, Fantastic. Indeed. And then, of course, we've got your typically overpriced 007 gear, such as the limited edition set of headphones from Bowers and Wilkins, which will run you a cool 812 American dollars. $800 for a pair of headphones, man. Not in my world. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, you can also buy the A View to a Kill Sport sunglasses from Barton Pereira for 529 bucks. Like the, the ones when he's wearing the big you know ski outfit yeah, I know. the, the, the I all know. white ski outfit and yeah those you, you can get why those. i don't know so well you know ask david zaritsky because i bet hey. he's got a pair <laughs> or for 529 dollars, i want the ones that he's wearing that have like lenses and shit right? on them that can see through right? walls that can see past glare on yeah. a window? <laughs> yeah. Because I just want to walk around and randomly dial my lenses to make people go, what the hell is he doing? Oh, don't worry about me. My name's Jason Sidget Spy. It's a, it's, a <laughs> it's a viewfinder, you see. I'm, I'm looking at dinosaurs, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm watching Mickey's 3D adventure. <laughs> that would be amazing, though. If they made a replica of those glasses, I would... Just because. <laughs> just, be, just because. I'm looking at you, Big Chief Studios. You're, you're the ones to do it. <laughs> But uh, but finally, number 007 Eau de Parfum by Fleury, London, for a meager 233 American dinero. What's in it, you ask? Well, the recipe is top secret, but we here at the CIC know exactly what's in it. Things such as pheromones which were harvested from the late great Sean Connery and have been preserved in a cryogenic chamber for the past 60 years. Leftover nanobots from the Heracles project. Paint. Gold paint. Stoli vodka. Gun oil. Sweat retained from Roger Moore's octopusy safari outfit. And two tears from Moneypenny after Bond married Tracy. And finally, just a small dash of tire air from an 86 Rolls Royce. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I do love the smell of assassination in the morning. Number 007 Eau de Parfum. Is that how you say it? I don't know. You'll be headed back to the salt mines in no time. Or is that no time to die?
Fantastic. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's about all we got for today. I know this is a little short and sweet for us, really. But um, a lot of moving parts going on at the CIC right now. But we're going to be back in full force real soon. But uh, if you uh, want to come and interact with us, come let us know what you want to hear from us. Also, uh, hey, Christmas is just around the corner or Hanukkah. And uh, if you want to show off your love or someone in your family is a huge CIC fan and they want to show off their love of the CIC, please, why not visit our merch store? We've got t-shirts, we got mugs, iPhone cases, and other goodies. Just go to the link at the bottom of our show description for this very episode and check it out. But uh, I guess that's about it for now. I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem. Indeed.